0: Well, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here at Church of the Bridge, and we welcome you. We're so excited to have you here this morning. And I have the privilege to share with you the Word of God. I want to be clear that it is the Word of God. It is not my word. It is not my opinion. It is not my thoughts. It is the Word of God, and that's important because you came here to hear something from God, not from me. All right. And if you leave here with the understanding, you say, well, Pastor Jose said, you missed it. What we need to do is look to the word in a practical way. And so for those of you that were here last week, I know you heard me say, we're wrapping up this series. Well, I've got news for you. As I was looking over my notes for this next series that we were supposed to start today, the Lord really impressed upon my heart to go one more week with the series that we've been on entitled Soul Sessions. And I really believe that this is an important point and I pray that it blesses you as, as it did the people that joined us during first service. Um, so let's just turn in our Bibles real quick to where we've been the last couple of weeks. We're going to look at two foundational scriptures. Uh, we're going to start with 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. Notice that the Bible says, Beloved. Yes. Beloved. That should tell us something. That's not just for you, child of God. But I want you all to know that the beloved is everyone that Christ gave his life for. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so there is something worth redeeming, something that is so precious and beautiful to God that's not just for us here today, but it's for everyone, every single person. And so watch the will of God here. It says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, and be in health, just as your soul prospers. Now what's interesting here for us to notice we've learned over the last several weeks is that God wants you to prosper in all things. Prosperity is not a bad thing. Prosperity is every area of your life. But the interesting thing is that in order to prosper in all things, it starts in the soul. And when the Bible refers to the soul, what it most commonly speaks of is your mind. It's your mind, your will, your emotions. It's where your desires and your passions are seeded and are born out of. And so that's important for us to understand because what happens here right between our two ears really impacts and defines every area of our lives. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That word meditate there simply means to think upon, to consider in a continual way of being. It also means to imagine. And so God tells us that we're to meditate upon his word day and night that we may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, listen closely, you, everybody say I. I. Tell somebody he's talking to you. Tell the other person on the other side of you he's talking to me. Talking to me. He says for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And so I want us to see something that what you and I do in the soul matters. But why? Because scripture tells us, let's go back to Joshua 1.8, that then as we prosper in the mind, as we meditate, as we imagine, as we consider, as our mind is renewed according to the truth of God's word and what he details, not just about what he's done, but who we are in Christ, as we think upon that. And it transforms our mind. Then you, me, us, I, however you want to phrase it, we make our way prosperous. Some of you have been praying, God bless me. God make a better way for me. And what you've not realized is that God is giving you everything you need to prosper. This word renews the mind which then facilitates And empowers you to make your way prosperous. God's not asking, don't ask God to make your way prosperous. God's asking you make your way prosperous as your mind is transformed by the truth of his word. Amen? And so as we see in this verse, and this is where I really want to go today in Joshua 1.8. I want to focus on the first half because the Lord brought this to my attention, and so much so that I said, I have to teach this. Notice the first half of Joshua 1, eight. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And so what we're seeing here from Scripture is that it's not just what happens in this mind, but it's what we speak in alignment with the truth of God's word that impacts how we prosper in all things. That's important for us to understand because words are the legs that carry and bring forth the life that's contained within the soul. That's whether it's good or whether it's bad. And so if you're looking for a big idea to wrap your head and your heart around today, here's the statement that I want you to consider today. That there is a relationship between your words and your soul. There's a relationship between what's going on in your soul and what you speak. And I want you to see why that's so important. Turn with me to James chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. Now, I want you to see that there is a function of the soul that the author, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that God saw fit to bring to our attention. So in James 1, 1:15, 15, he begins by saying, Then after your desire... Has conceived. Let me just pause there for a moment. Remember, the soul is the mind, the will, and emotions. It's where your desires and passions operate and where they come from. And so what I want you to see is that in context in this scripture, it's talking about something that is happening in the mind. And so he says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Here's something interesting else for you to consider. That your mind is where you conceive what you speak and eventually bring forth in your life. And so he says, Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Verse 16, Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now watch verse 18. Very important that we see what it's revealing to us here. He, speaking of God, chose to give us birth through the word of truth. That we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Now I'll tell you why this is so important for us to wrap our head and heart around. Because what we see is that when God creates, He does not physically form. God speaks His Word, and His Word creates what is to come about. And why is that important? Because you might say, well, that's God. Well, Scripture says that as He is, so are you in this world. Speaking of Jesus, Scripture says that you and I are created in His image and His likeness. Why is that important? Because your words are creative. Just as God creates according to his word, your words create. You don't believe me? Let me prove it to you. You look at someone whose life is a mess. Someone who's going through some difficult challenges. It seems like they go from mess to mess. There's never any rest in their life. There's never any peace. Things are always going. On. There's always some tragedy. There's always some emergency. And you take a step back and you watch and listen to the words that they speak. And what you'll find is that they are creating it by their speech. Amen. Let me prove it to you from word. From the word. So before we go there, words bring forth what is conceived in the mind. Think of it this way. Your mind is an incubator. And in that incubator, in that womb, so to speak, you are birthing your life. This is why it's so important that we intake the word of God, not simply just read it, but allow it to begin to challenge our thinking, to really consider what is truth in light of what the word of God says and not what the news says, or what people say, or what people's opinions are, or what my experience and my past tells me. It's important that the word of God renew our minds, because our words Bring forth what's conceived in the mind. Proverbs eighteen twenty one puts it this way. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. Now what's interesting there in the Hebrew is that that word power refers to empowered hands that support something. So you heard my wife talk about, oh, my honey loves me. She wasn't down there with me while we've been building in the basement, right? But yes, I still love her. But here's what I want you to see. While we've been doing this project, or I've been doing this project, right, and we've had some help here and there, there have come those times when, for example, we were framing out the basement where we had to put up some, uh, some framing on the top. And that requires for somebody to hold it up. That requires hands that are empowered that keep it in place so that we can screw it to, you know, the wall, whatever, and the two by fours so that it can hold up. So when the Bible talks about the power of the tongue, what it's saying is that your words are like hands that hold up and sustain life or death in your life. That's powerful. That's a powerful truth. Because what many times we don't realize is that what we speak is directly what we believe and what we think. So I'm not talking about simply just blabbing and grabbing it. I'm not talking about naming it and claiming it. Because there are some people that believe, you know what, I'm just going to rehearse what the word says. Yes, the word says this, the word says that. You might rightly speak what the word says, but if there's no belief, if there's no renewal of the mind, your words have no legs. It will not produce what the word says. It will not. And I want you to really consider this. Death or life is in your power. Death or life. It's in our hands. And these mouths, when aligned with the soul that is not renewed according to the word, will bring forth death. It could be physical death. It can be a decaying, a dying in our relationships, in, in the, the opportunities that, that, are, that may be available to us, in, in how we raise our children, in the homes that we nurture, whatever it is. It's based upon what we believe in the soul, what we allow to inform the soul, and what we speak. That's not my opinion. That is God's word. That is God's word. And so in James chapter 3, verses 2 through 6, it really expounds upon this, this issue, this topic, this truth of words. In James chapter 3, starting at verse 2, it says, we all stumble in many ways. You know what that tells us? Every one of us is going to drop the ball at some point with our words. But the more truth we know about how our words and our minds must be renewed, the more able we'll be to overcome. And so it says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. See the power of your words? They check where, the, where your body goes. Verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the Whole animal, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue, your words, is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire. By a small spark, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. I want you to see three points about our words here. Number one, the tongue, your words, steers the body. It steers the body. It provides direction for the life that we live. The tongue, our words. Number two, the tongue is able to corrupt the entire body. The entire body. The tongue is able to corrupt the entire body. And number three, no matter how insignificant our words may seem, Oh, I was just saying. You're killing me here. Oh, come on, pastor, seriously? God put the emphasis on this truth. We must consider what we're doing with our words. We must consider what's informing our mindsets. So no matter how insignificant our words seem, they can cause big problems. Husbands, you know what I'm talking about. One word can set, a, it can create a problem for years. Wives, you know what I'm talking about. Anyone, really, we, you know what I'm talking about. And so I was, uh, as I was studying for this, you know, this week, because I just prepared this this week and I was considering this, I was talking to, to Hannah, who's our executive assistant here, and I was asking her about a horse that she used to have. This is Hannah, uh, my son's fiance, uh, soon to be our daughter-in-law. And Hannah used to own a horse named Gypsy Rose. And Hannah had her from birth. Um, But when Hannah was first given this horse, she uh, did not want it because this horse was unruly. This horse did not like her. This horse resisted any discipline and any direction. So much so that Hannah says, that's Hannah, 115 pounds wet, right? And Hannah says that when she started to try and break Gypsy Rose in, that Gypsy Rose made it a point to make sure that Hannah knew, I don't want you on me. You will not discipline me. Let me tell you what Gypsy Rose used to do to her. Hannah would mount her horse and Gypsy Rose would run towards the fencing, and throw her body into the fencing, attempting to dismount Hannah. And Hannah would stay on. Gypsy Rose would run at full gallop, and then she would throw herself in a sliding fashion to attempt to dismount Hannah from riding her. And Hannah would remain on Gypsy Rose. But Hannah says there came a point where she put a bit in her mouth. An 800 to 900 pound horse, Hannah put a piece known as a bit right in her mouth and that small bit, Hannah used this language and I wrote it down in my notes. She said that became command central. She says with that bit, Gypsy Rose understood who was boss. Not only that, this 115 pound woman was able to steer a 900 pound horse, and that horse followed direction. Why do I share that with you? Let's go back to uh, the book of James, chapter 3, and I want to read to you again, verse 3. It says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Listen closely. One small word that is aligned with the truth of God's word spoken with belief can turn your entire life around. One word aligned with truth. The death and life is in the power of God. Of your tongue and mind. Want to turn your life around? Listen closely to your words. Listen to what your words declare. About your marriage. About your children. About your home. About your career. About your future. About your present. About your past. And you will hear. What you believe. In your heart. In your soul. You will hear how this mind is either renewed or unrenewed to truth. Now what I'm sharing with you here is directly from the Word of God. And what I want you to realize is this, is that God wants better for you. And today He is equipping and empowering you by His Word to hear and know truth so that you can make your way prosperous and you can have good success. Amen? Amen. And so it's important for us to understand and receive and I pray that you believe today according to God's word because when God's word becomes your words, When God's word becomes your mindset, it releases power in your life. It facilitates power to transform your life. Stop waiting on God to effect the change that God's waiting on you to effect to change. I'm not going to say that again because I didn't plan that. But I'll tell you what. Listen to the podcast. It'll be up tomorrow. Tomorrow. Go to our website, ctbny.com, and you'll hear it. <laughs> Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 10. Matthew 8, chapter... Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 10. It tells us that when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. He said, Lord... My young servant lies in bed, he's paralyzed, and he's in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my house. He says, just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed." Verse 9, he says, I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. I want to point out some things to you based upon what we're seeing in this encounter that Jesus had with a Roman officer. Number one, notice that it says that when Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him, he says to him, just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. But verse nine is important because he says, I know this. Because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. The next portion of the scripture is key. He says, I only need to say go, and they go. Let me pause right there. I'll tell you why. Because this man understood authority. Notice that he's not pushing his soldiers to do anything. He's not grabbing them by the hand. He's not forcing them. He understood the power of his words as one in authority, understanding that he's authorized to give a command. He says, I say to my officer, go, and he goes. I tell my slave, come, or do this, and he does it. What we see here is this, that this man and the Holy Spirit sought fit to convey this to us, understood the authority and the power of words in relation to authority. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was amazed. He was amazed. Why was Jesus amazed? Because Jesus, the Bible tells us, says that, his, that by, he had not seen faith to this capacity in all Israel. What does that tell us? That faith is seen by words that carry authority. Let me bring that down a notch and just make it simple. You want to see your faith work? You want to see faith in God's word become true and alive and active in your life? When you understand the truth of what God's word says and you speak it, your faith will become evident. Not just to you, but to all. But to all. But to all. This world that is your neighbors who you go, man, I wish I knew what to say to them. I wish I could help my community. Hey, your faith is meant to be evident. But what is your mind and your mouth? How are they cooperating? What's the relationship between them? Because that relationship will produce at the death of life. So I want to share some things with you. you. Your words have the power to carry out the authority of Jesus himself. Your words have the power to carry out that authority. You have been authorized by Christ. He says, greater works than these shall you do in my name. Yeah. He says, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He says, you will cast out demons. Listen, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. What are we hearing from the word? What is Jesus telling us? Hey, I've created you. I have authorized you to go forward and do greater things than I have done. But how does that come about? By a mind renewed and words that give life and produce it. Let me show you that. Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37. Jesus here is speaking to Pharisees, religious leaders. These are people that said all the right things, but believed all the wrong things. Their heart did not match their words. In other words, they were fake. So they were having a false experience and conveying a false uh, hope of what it was to have a relationship with God. And so Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, he's not talking to you, by the way. That's the religious leaders, the fake guys he's talking about. He says, brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, let me pause there for a moment. That word heart there speaks of the soul. So he says, for out of the abundance of the heart or out of the abundance of your mind, your soul, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word, that simply means word empty word. Every every word of void of truth. Void of his word. He says, but I say to you that for every idle or empty word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Very important to hear this next verse. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be contem- Condemned. Let me read that to you again, verse 37, but according to the Greek, the original language this was written in. For by your words you will be freed or by your words you will be entrapped. Our words either free us or entrap us. They either free us or they entrap us. And so I want you to see the relationship between your soul and your words and what it produces. I also want to point out to you that in verse 33, if we could just put that back up, it says either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. You know what he's saying there? You either make the tree, which is your life, good and the fruit that it produces good, Or you make your life bad and the fruit that you produce bad. But how? In context, here's what he's saying. By the measure of your belief in your mind, in your heart, and the words that you speak. We are leaving here today with a key to dramatic change. Listen closely, ladies and gentlemen. I remember years ago, I used to. Uh, I lived in the city, and then we moved. And I was working in the city for about almost four years, and I remember that uh, I would uh, I would go down. Actually, even before that, way before that, uh, when I started coming back to church as a as a young adult, because when I was a kid, I believed on Jesus. But I was resistant to everything else that I heard and saw because what I was experiencing was legalism. It was uh, it was religion 2.0, and I hated it. I hated the rules. I hated being told that God loved me, but I was going to hell for everything. Um, I hated it. And so when I came back to church as a young adult, this this one revelation got a grip of my heart. I believed for the first time that God really did love me. And that set me on a course where I wanted to know God, not because religion said so, not because a pastor told me, not because it was the Christian thing to do, but because I wanted to know. I wanted something real and personal. And so, um, that truth right there set me on a course where I began to dig into the Word of God for myself. I heard everything the preacher preached, but I wanted to read for myself. And I remember many times I would be reading the Bible, and I would take two buses and a, and two trains to get to work from the Bronx to Brooklyn. My commute was about an hour and 45 minutes every morning, and then another hour and 45 coming back. And so early in the mornings, what I would do is I would get on the bus, or I would be on the train, and I would just open my Bible and i begin to read. And there were often times where I felt like, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. I didn't understand. And you know what? Maybe you're there too. But let me tell you something that I now know, looking back retrospect and understand today, that seed sown is never seed wasted. What do I mean by that? Many times I was reading the word on a daily basis. And sometimes I was confused and I didn't understand. I would ask questions. There were times when I would just say, God, show me, help me understand this. What does this mean? But all these years later, I'm still reaping fruit based upon what was sown into my soul, into my life. And what I am saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, is this, that there is a good treasure that has been deposited in you and is even being deposited in you now. And you may not completely understand that treasure, but you bet your bottom dollars. a matter of fact, I guarantee you this is going to happen to some of you this week. You're going to find yourself in the midst of something, and all of a sudden, understanding is going to come from the Word. And I'm going to tell you why that understanding is going to be available to you. Because the Word was sown into your life. We must understand something that to hear God, we don't need a preacher. Now, this is good and this is biblical. This is right. This is this is what the Word teaches us. But what I mean by that is that we need to develop a personal relationship with God and through His Word, because that's the language that God speaks. Yeah. Give an example of that: I can talk to you in Spanish. Y para de ustedes yo estoy hablando en español y ustedes no entienden qué es lo que yo estoy diciendo. What am I saying? Some of you don't understand what I'm saying. Now, I'm simply going to translate in English. Right now I'm speaking to you and for some of you, you have no clue what I'm saying. How many of you understood what I said? All of you, right? Let me tell you why that's important. Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, leads you into all truth. And he shows you things to come. What am I saying with that? God speaks one language. His word. And for us to understand what God is saying, we must get hooked on phonics, or let me put it this way we must get hooked on the word because as our minds are renewed, we acclimate to the language that God speaks. And the moment that that happens, ladies and gentlemen, your mind begins to understand and you can then speak and transform your life you want change here it is this is where the rubber meets the road i i encourage you to be here if you can not because church at the bridge is this or that no this ain't about it this is about the kingdom of god we're not building castles we're building the kingdom We strive to do one thing and one thing only, to teach the word plainly. We ain't got to go through spiritual hula hoops. I ain't got to hoot and holler and shout and shimmy and all this. Just give you the word. Take the word. Allow it to renew your mind. Amen? And so it's important to understand, according to verse 33, that we either make the tree good, we either make our life good, or our life bad. We do that. But we do it according to what we take in and how we speak according to what we've taken in. Amen? Amen. And so Ephesians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, which is our last point here today as we close out, tells us something about the mind that's renewed. And speaks according to God's word. Verse in Ephesians chapter 6, 17 and 18. It says take the helmet of salvation. Now in context the word is speaking about what you. As a believer or what you who don't believe. Have the potential to have in Christ. What we're armed with. What God equips you with. And he relates what we've received in Christ, to an armor. He talks about that our faith is like a shield that extinguishes the lies of the enemy. It talks about the righteousness that we've become in Christ. Whether you know it or not, if you're a child of God, you are completely righteous. And the Bible says in Ephesians 6 that that righteousness is like a a breastplate that protects your heart, that protects your life that protects your understanding, your belief. But it also speaks of what we've received and understand in this mind. And the salvation that you've received that caused you to believe in Jesus and confess him as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that it's a helmet. And so he says, take the helmet of salvation, But watch what the word of God is that you've received, believe, and you speak is. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I want to point out two things to you. That word there, take, is very, very important in verse 16. Verse 17, I mean, that word take means to take as your own, it speaks of it becoming yours. And so, notice what the word says it says, Take what's yours, the helmet of your salvation. Take this word, this renewed mind that you've received in Christ. Let it serve to protect what comes into this mind. But then he goes on to talk about the relationship of your words in relation to what you've believed. He says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Listen to what Scripture is revealing to us. The Word of God, when it becomes yours, when you're no longer saying, God, your word says that by your stripes I'm healed and so I declare I'm healed. When you go from that to Jesus, by your stripes I am healed and so I'm healed. There's a difference there. There's a difference there. You're no longer rehearsing scripture. Now you believe it and now you speak it and it's personal. It's personal. I am healed. I am prosperous. I can and I will do all things because Christ is my strength. You you get where I'm coming from? I will succeed. I am the head and I am not the tail. I am above. I am never beneath. Therefore, my resume will be the one at the top, not at the bottom. Therefore, where I go, I may start... Frying fries, but I'll be managing eventually. You see what I'm saying? When you begin to accept and believe what the word says, it begins to define your speech. And then when you speak the word of God, it is a sword in your life. Listen to what I'm saying. Many of you are trying in your own efforts to cut away and fight back things in your life that are plaguing you, your past, your upbringing, what the statistics say. And what God is saying is, believe my word. Take it as a helmet unto your mind. And take my word, and you speak it, and you watch everything that comes against you be cut away. We are best equipped when our thoughts and our words are in agreement with God's word. When they become our own. Amen.